0: Greetings and welcome to the 500th episode of Canadian History X. That's right, over the past two and a half years I've put out 500 episodes. A portion of those were interviews, and a lot of them were history episodes all about the various aspects of Canadian history, the good, but also the bad. Thank you so much for all of the people who have been downloading the show and listening to it and helping me get to 500 episodes. I truly, truly do appreciate it. If you want, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I do another podcast, From John to Justin, and it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. I do all of this full time, so every dollar you give, I'll keep it all going. And if you become a patron or donate, I'll thank you on the air, and I'll thank you throughout my social media, as well as at the end of the month, when I thank everybody. If you like, you can email me at, craig at CanadaEHX.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at bairdo37. Chief Dan George was more than just an actor. He was an Indigenous chief, an activist, and a poet as well. And he was one of the most important Indigenous individuals of the 20th century in Canada. And today, I'm looking at his fascinating life. Dan George was born on the Burrard Indigenous Reserve on July 24, 1899. His mother was believed to be a descendant of Chief Watsuk, who went aboard the ship of George Vancouver when he explored the area in 1792. George would say of his birth, quote, I think I began my life here on Mother Earth just when my people, the Coast Salish, were starting to change from their old ways to the new ways of today. Before that, we lived the old life hunting and fishing. That's the only way I can describe it, hunting and fishing, His English name was Dan Slahoot, but his last name was changed to George when he was forced into residential school at the age of five. At the age of 16, he left residential school to begin working. As a young man, he would work several different jobs to make ends meet, including as a school bus driver, a longshoreman, and a construction worker. While working as a longshoreman, he would suffer a terrible injury when he smashed his leg on a lumber scowl. He would also marry his wife, Amy, and they would remain married for 51 years, having six children together. In 1951, George was elected as band chief, and he would serve in that role until 1963. During these years, he would perform with Indigenous dancers and bands at various shows, including winning the Search for Talent show in Vancouver three years in a row. Upon his third win, George stated, quote, Our win is just another feather in our bonnet for the winning of good friends. End quote. While his performances brought praise, he still dealt with discrimination. At one performance in Vernon in 1957, George and his band were booked for a dance. Only two couples showed up and the band played for those two couples from 9pm to 2am. His friend, George Emanuel, would say, quote, Dan tolerated a lot of discrimination. In spite of it, he was understanding in terms of humanity. He kept trying to persuade people to keep their heads up and to help to develop a society where we could all work together. He had a passionate belief in mankind. End quote. Even well into his 50s, George would still compete in canoe races as well. When he left the office of chief in 1963, but was able to retain the honorary title, it was the first time in six generations that a member of his family was not chief. He would say, quote, I've been so busy on other things, I've been neglecting my people. End quote. Around this time, he decided that he wanted to begin acting. And thanks to encouragement from his son, who was acting in a CBC film, and said the producer was looking for someone to play a, quote, old Indian, end quote. So, in 1960, at the age of 60, he took his first acting role for a CBC series called Caribou Country as Old Antoine.
1: Quiet up, it, see Hear me, my chiefs. Chairs could I'm tired of fighting. Do it, see all the old chiefs have been killed by the white savages
2: we were having a terrible time trying to find the right actor for this part of Vol Antoine he had not acted before he'd been an entertainer, his family I was told at the time were the traditional storytellers of his people um, and they'd had a little family band in which Dan played the double bass and they went and played at the local Legion dances and things of that kind. But he hadn't been uh, a straight actor. The first thing that happened, I remember, in directing him was that as an actor, without formal training, all he needed in order to make the part his own was to find that touchstone of um, a person he knew, an event he remembered. And then, like all good actors, he turned that into the creative experience of the part that he's playing, became old Antoine.
0: His role was very well received and would lead to the role of Rita Joe's father in The Ecstasy of Rita Joe. More roles would follow including on The Littlest Hobo and for the Walt Disney film, Smith. Throughout his acting career, George would work to promote better understanding of Indigenous people by non-Indigenous people. In 1967, he would attend the city of Vancouver's celebration of the Canadian centennial, performing his soliloquy, Lament for Confederation, which was an indictment of the taking of Indigenous territory by Europeans. The speech would greatly increase Indigenous activism in Canada, and touched off a strong pro-Indigenous sentiment among non-Indigenous Canadians. I'm going to play Lament for Confederation here in its entirety, because it is such a powerful and important work, and it's just over six minutes long.
3: How long have I known you, Canada? A hundred years? Yes, a hundred years. And many, many times more. And today, when you celebrate your hundred years of Canada, I am sad for all the Indian people throughout the land. For I have known you when your forests were mine, when they gave me my meat and my clothing. I have known you in your brooks and your rivers, where your fish flashed and danced in the sun, and whose water said, Come, and need of my abundance. I have known you in the freedom of your winds and my spirit, like your winds, once rose this good land. But in the long hundred years since the white man came, I've seen that freedom disappear, just like the salmon or the mysterious they go out to sea. The white man's strange customs I could not understand, pressed down upon me until I could no longer breathe. When I fought to protect my home and my land, I was called a savage. When I neither understood nor welcomed this new way of life, I was called lazy. When I tried to rule my people, I was stripped of my authority. My nation was ignored in your history textbook. We were less important in the history of Canada than the buffalo that ranged the plains. I was ridiculed in your plays and motion pictures, and when I drank the fire water, I got drunk. Very, very drunk, and I forgot. Oh, Canada, how can I celebrate with you the centenary of this hundred years? Shall I thank you for the reserves that are left me of my beautiful forest? Shall I thank you for the canned fish of my rivers? Shall I thank you for the loss of my pride and authority, even among my own people? for the lack of my will to fight back. No, I must forget what is past and gone. Oh, God in heaven, give me the courage of the old Jesus. Let me wrestle with my surroundings. Let me once again, as in the days of old, dominate my environment. Let me humbly accept this new culture, and through it, rise up and go on. Oh God, like the thunderbird of old, I shall rise again out of the sea. I shall grasp the instruments of the white man's success, his education, his skill, and with these new tools, I shall build my race into the proudest segment of your society. And before I follow the great chiefs who have gone before us, I shall see these things come to pass. I shall see our young braves and our chiefs sitting in the house of law and government, ruling and being ruled by the knowledge and freedom of our great land. So shall we shatter the barriers of our isolation. So shall the next hundred years be the greatest The proud history of our tribes and nations.
0: Following the speech, the Vancouver Sun would state, quote, The man who took the boldest look into Candace's future at our Empire Stadium birthday party Saturday was probably the person most tempted to look into the past. End quote. Upon his death years later, the Vancouver Sun's columnist, Denny Boyd, would state, quote, I believe his greatest performance was played in Vancouver, speaking outdoors in a voice that rose and fell in anger and sadness. It was the day they invited him to a party and he sat on the birthday cake. I think it was the greatest thing he ever did. Chief Dan George stoned the crowd of 3two thousand. He stopped them cold and nailed them to their seats. Even the smallest children who could not possibly understand his words were hushed by the sibilant melancholy in that voice End quote. in 1971. George would gain his most famous role, acting in Little Big Man as Old Lodge Skin, opposite Dustin Hoffman.:
4: if I uh, Dunaway and I were doing scenes together. And Arthur Penn, the director, said that uh, Chief Dan George and I had heard that the part of old Lodgkins went to a real honest-to-goodness chief, Indian chief, and I was very excited about it. And I'd seen pictures of him, long, gray hair, great, wonderful face that he has. Arthur came up to me and said, Chief Dan George has just came in from Canada. Would you like to meet him? And I said, yes, very much. And we were outside during a break, and I saw this man coming toward me with his long, flowing hair. And, and I said, how do you do, chief? And he looked at me, and he says, how do you do? Where's Faye done away? <laughs> I guess in terms of memory, when you say to me, what do I remember? I guess, aside from his stamina, that emotional thing. And we got along well together. We... I, I like to kid with him. He, had a, he has, a, has a terrific sense of humor. There was a scene where I'm very bad when it comes to shooting movies as far as the director's concerned. Sometimes because I goof around to break the monotony. And there was a scene in the tent where, we had, where it's, I'm supposed to come in having not been there for a long time. And th- I've been captured by the very tribe that I was brought up with. And they've now grown up and I've been away a while and they don't recognize me. And I come back... And it's for Chief Dan George to say that, it's, uh, that I'm not an impostor and I'm not a, uh, an enemy that I've been there. And I give him a hat as a peace offering. And he puts it on and he comes out in front of the whole tribe. who walk out of the tent and he says, I have studied the matter and I have thought on it. And my decision is little big man has returned. So we did a few takes and arthur called for another take and was all set up with all the indians outside waiting for the moment when we come out and he issues this edict and i said to the chief inside the tent we were just before we came out i says, why don't you just say when you come to the part where you say thought on it and you're supposed to say you're supposed to say uh... i've thought on the matter and i've considered it and little big man has returned why don't you say it's a damn good hat so he looked at me, and he's, and he's, he gets this grin on his face. He looks like he's ten years old, you know, and his eyes shine. He says, "Really? You think I should?" I says, "Go ahead. I love it." I was being very, and he walked out, and all the Indians were there. And he says, "I've thought on the matter, and I've studied it, and my decision is." And he's got this hat on his head, and he says, "It's a damn good hat," and the whole place just broke, and he just stood there, laughing up and down. And Arthur was a little angry at me. He right away looked at me and knew I was responsible for
1: it. Working with uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman was a a very good experience for me. He made a remark that made me very pleased, and I'll never forget it. He says, uh, uh, Chief, he said, uh, I do not have a grandfather. Would you consider me as your grandson? I said, sure. I told him. What does another one matter to me? I have 36, and uh, one more won't make no difference.
0: His role would earn him an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor, making him the first Indigenous person to be nominated. At the time, he was 71 years old, had 36 grandchildren and three great-grandchildren. As old Lodge skin, he would adopt Dustin Hoffman's character as his grandson following Custer's Last Stand. He would say of his role, quote, If you think deeply on the relationship of the white boy and his Indian grandfather, it shows the worth of integration. That is what we're doing today and what I've dedicated my life to, the integration of Indians with the white man,
2: Why do
1: you want to die, grandfather? Because there's no other way to deal with a white man, my son. Whatever else you can say about them, it must be admitted. You cannot get rid of him. No, I suppose not, Grandfather. There is an endless supply of white men, but there always has been a limited number of human beings. We won today, we won't win tomorrow.
0: He would say of his nomination, quote, I don't want Indians called second-class people anymore. Eight years ago, I dedicated myself to try and do something that would give a name to the Indian people. Even if I'm not selected as winner, I feel I've attained my goal. I'm not looking for glory for myself, but for all the Indian people in Canada and the United States. Following his nomination, many film critics state a shift began in Hollywood and its portrayal of the indigenous, eventually leading to movies like Dances with Wolves, which featured another Oscar nomination for a Canadian actor, Graham Greene. On March 11th, 1971, Chief Dan George Day was proclaimed in Vancouver. The day was chosen by the Union of British Columbian Indian Chiefs to recognize contributions by George in changing the public image of Indigenous people. The proclamation would state, quote, He has been instrumental in showing that the Indian, too often portrayed as either bloodthirsty savage or a dirty drunk, is a man, with all the strengths, weaknesses, emotions, and feelings of other men. A man who has become almost a stranger in the land he once owned. End quote. During many interviews for the movie, George would speak of Indigenous rights in Canada. At one point, talk show host Dick Cavett asked him if it was easier to be Indigenous in Canada, to which George replied with a firm no. George was also presented with a lifetime membership in the Chief's Executive Council. And while he did not win the Oscar, George won awards from the National Society of Film Critics and the New York Film Critics Circle. The same year he was nominated for an Oscar, George was awarded the Order of Canada. The year was not without heartache though, as George's wife Amy died after 51 years together. Around the time he received his Oscar nomination, she knew she was near death, and she would tell him that if she died, he should not hesitate to go to the ceremony. After his Oscar-nominated role, George began to get several offers for various roles. He would act in a play version of The Ecstasy of Rita Joe, performing in Vancouver, Ottawa, and Washington, D.C., and he would take on the recurring role of Chief Moses Charlie on the iconic Canadian show The Beachcombers. I did an entire episode about The Beachcombers, and the role gave him the chance to act with his granddaughter Charlene Alec, who starred on the show for 18 years. He would play the role of ancient warrior in Kung Fu, And have roles in Alien Thunder, The Bears and I, and Harry and Tonto.
1: Well, his grave will just be some kind of a monument commemorating a bunch of rotten savages who. who just sacrificed white men's scalps to their pagan god. Why is there so much hate in your heart? Well, because. Well, because history has recorded the massacre of 14 white men and boys on this very ground just eight years ago. Now, do you deny it? White history sees only with the whites of its eye. Why did it not record the 14 men of my tribe who were killed first? Why did it not record the 67 men, women, and children who were slaughtered by the white soldiers one week later. Why can you not try to forget and feel the happiness of forgiveness as I have?
0: He was also scheduled to play the role of Shakespeare's King Lear in 1973, but he had to cancel due to other commitments. Throughout the 1970s, George would use his fame to help. In 1972, he was the national chairman of the International Brotherhood Week, and he was involved in the annual Tuberculosis Christmas Seal Drive. In 1972, it was announced that he would be the Grand Marshal of the Calgary Stampede Parade that year. As an avid hockey fan, his fame rose just as the Vancouver Canucks joined the NHL. The Canucks' management would always make sure they had a couple of tickets put aside for him for each game. One story tells of when he came to the arena for a game between the Canucks and Blackhawks. He asked the girl at the ticket office if they had any tickets for Dan George. She didn't recognize him and asked if he had a reservation. According to all accounts, George had a good laugh and had to sit down. He would also continue with his activism, both Indigenous and other causes. When the United States conducted an underground nuclear blast in the Aleutian Islands in 1971, he would state, It is wrong to destroy anything created by the Great Spirit. He would also campaign for Indigenous prisoners in Canadian penitentiaries. He would be made an honorary con for life after he and a rock group performed two one-hour shows for prisoners at a British Columbia penitentiary. During a potlatch ceremony at one prison, he would address Indigenous convicts and say, One thing we all know is that those who are here on the inside, when they go to the happy hunting ground, the good Lord will say to them that you have paid, you have paid down on earth. End quote. In 1974, he would release his album Chief George and the Fireweed and Circle. In that same year, he would write My Heart Source," a poetry work that was widely praised. In 1976, he would star alongside Clint Eastwood in The Outlaw Josie Wales. And in the summer of 1980, George fell and injured his hip, an injury that he would never fully recover from. On September 23, 1981, Chief Dan George would pass away at the age of 82 in Vancouver. According to George's son, Leonard, his father knew his time was coming and he would say, quote, His work kept him going until last year, but during the summer he called the family together and told us not to hold on to him because he would be leaving us. He said he had a full life and told us to keep our traditions, but to live for the future, not the past. End quote. While George's health had been declining the previous years, his son said his death came down to the death of his beloved wife Amy a decade previous. Leonard would say, quote, I think he died of a broken heart, End quote. In 1982, a collection of poetry was released called My Spirit Source." Two schools in Abbotsford and Toronto were named for Chief Dan George, as is a theatre in the University of Victoria. In 2008, Canada Post released a stamp honouring him. He was also honoured in his life with several honorary degrees, as well as the Human Relations Award, given to him by the Canadian Council of Christian and Jews. In 2010, Donald Sutherland would narrate a quote from My Heart Soars at the opening ceremonies of the 2010 Winter Olympics in Canada.
1: The beauty of the trees, the softness of the air... The fragrance of the grass speaks to me, and my heart soars. Chief Dan George.
0: I will end this episode with what the Windsor Star said of Chief Dan George following his death, stating, Chief Dan George was probably better than this country deserved. Despite continued existence of bigotry and discrimination against Indians in Canada, this poet, philosopher, logger, actor, and musician rose above it all, displaying a magnificent humanity. He lived his life with great dignity, not the pompous assumed dignity of the pretentious, but the pure dignity of wisdom and humor. His message was simple, respect the dignity in others, regardless of race, creed, or color. End quote. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at the life of Chief Dan George. Next week, we're looking at the Great Depression in Canada. If you like, you can email me at craig at You can find me on Twitter. My handle is craigbaird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Katie Caldwell, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinry, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron ohara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke Guess, JP Baer, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from the Canadian Encyclopedia, newfederation.org, Wikipedia, Victoria Times Columnist, the Interior News, CBC, the Ottawa Journal, the Vancouver Sun, Maclean's, Edmonton Journal, and the Montreal Gazette. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.